0: This is a Podfire Production.
1: This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children.
2: The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet,
1: tickles the back of your throat. The second beer you're starting to enjoy it, you kick back... Getting a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brett. That it is. It's the third beer that we
2: hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right.
1: And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to, not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. Hey buddy, how are ya? Here we go, big fella. Oh, two in two weeks. Two in two weeks. That's very exciting. Feels good to be back in the swing. Mate, um, today's beer I'm a little bit devastated about, to tell the truth. Oh, well, I think it's it's topical. That's, that's why I'm devastated. I thought, I thought
2: maybe that's why I thought it'd be funny. It's not funny. I'm a New South Walesman. It is pretty funny. I know funny. you are, but it's they, still not
1: funny. They had no chance in hell, yet they did it again. We know how to lose an Origin series, don't we? We certainly do. We haven't even game one and we've already lost a series, I reckon. Wow, that's kind pretty of pessimistic. Cool. That's not usually your style. No, I oh, know, I was devastated. But, mate, we should have won that. We should have been 39 oh, at half time. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, Donald Trump shouldn't have a shot. But he hasn't. Princes, princes, princes.
1: It's all over, I believe. So. Is it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I heard a thank guy say yesterday. God. Isn't it amazing, all these people, how much they hate Trump, but they actually like what he's done for the country? Oh, yeah, I,
2: I, knew, I knew you'd play this line. No, that's what they was. said. I was well, listening to the who, thing. I who, thought it was them. Who's they?
1: The political reporter <laughs> on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyway, you've stuck 4X gold in front of me, and it's even in a maroon beer bottle. Okay. I think we should, uh, we have ka-chunk. To take, take one for the team, mate. Do the kachunk. chunk Hang you're, on. You're up this week. Yeah, see how good I can go. Should we uh, introduce our guest? That was a shit kachunk. You do your ka-chunk, and then we'll introduce the guest. Oh, Want to throw one. Good catch. Nice. No, still got the skills. Still still got the skills. Mate, well, I'm going to introduce my guest today. Ooh. I'm very excited, and and hello, guest. We hello. never, I never know who's coming when he brings a guest. I know. I'm very excited. Times. That was a good kachunk. Oh, Ka-chunk. Maybe it wasn't that good a kachunk.
2: Ah, that's not funny. Yeah. You all right, buddy? No, Queensland's have got me again.
1: All right. <laughs> Tuba. <Toolbox! laughs> wow, that. Um, <laughs> You just wore the whole beer.
2: No, your lounge just wore a lot of the beer. I can. <laughs> it's all
1: karma for putting such shit beer in
2: front of us. Oh, you saw me? It just wouldn't work. I'll be too is. scared. Our guest needs to chunk.
1: If you do it on my table, I think you'd be fine. I'll just right. go back to the bottle opener. I think. You push down his hose again. There you go. Good kachunk. Just like that. Cheers, boys.
2: Cheers. Ching, ching. This is Louise Christie. A dear friend and a, an ex-work colleague and uh, a great master storyteller. So we're going to have some oh, interesting stories. Yes, yes, very much fun. But I'm excited. Really some interesting experience, but that was what we'd do for a supervision when we're at our old jobs and all of a sudden, I to know where we go toolbox and then spend two hours in the lunchroom just having a chat. Toolbox? That's good times.
1: That's a good, good name times. for a podcast. I thought that as we said that. <laughs> yeah. like so you just have a chat to people about shit. Is it, Raymond? What sort of stuff did you just chat about? Oh, everything and anything. So it's like the water cooler conversations. No.
0: Hey, hey, going? Happy to be here? Yeah, no, I feel good. Yeah, no, I feel good.
1: All right. Well,
2: that's interesting. Let's start at the beginning. Do you want yeah, to continue? No. Yeah, no.
0: I know. It's a conflict. Wow. It's good. going to be so much fun. All right. Yeah, it was.
2: (laughs) So So, picture this. Picture this, right. I I am a manager of a a youth team. I've got about uh, five or six staff. I'm employing some social workers and psychs to come on to work with my families, and I meet... uh, Lovely Louise in an interview. She didn't get the job that she was going for, but I had another job where I was working, and I thought I'd bring her on board. Thought she was really good. She's doing a masters. She had all the credentials. She was slick and, and just something. And this is awesome. We're going to do some really great work together. <laughs> Turns out she was a little bit a little bit fragile. She had a lot going on in her life at that time, and me being a little bit um. Less than sensitive to these things. You know, I really want to get into the, the meat of things. I want to have some real conversations. I want to do some experimenting and, and hang out with the staff and the clients. And, and I just there. wanted to do my job. Yeah, she just wanted to do a job. We I I came do. to one point where she said, Chris, you have to leave now. And I'm her boss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he didn't hear that. He didn't hear that. I didn't really? quite quite. He stayed really? sitting there and <laughs> kept talking. <laughs> And I said, you actually need to leave now. And he said, Was it just the two of us or did you have people with you? No, it was just the two of us. The two of us. Ooh. And, and then I had to man up and say, you got to go.
2: Seriously. Out. At, that, at that point, the penny dropped and I walked out of the room with very confused thinking, I'm not exactly sure what's just occurred in there. But it was time for <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sir. And time you know, you know, political correctness. Uh, you know, uh, a certain organisation. So from that moment forward, I was a little bit whoa. How am I going to interact with Louise? Thinking that I'd have to be very keep gloves, very not sure. Make sure I tick all the. The T's and not all the I's. Don't know where we're coming from. But it turns out we blossom into this beautiful friendship, this beautiful relationship, had these beautiful experiences, and that was a critical part of the...
0: Walking through the fire. Walking through the
1: fire. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have her here today and i am interested to see how well, so it it. I'm so enthralled just by the introduction.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. So who are you and why are you here? I was thinking about that when I was driving here because I have listened to a few of your shows, and I thought, what a great question to start with the Who am I? The question that humanity's been asking for millennia, and no one knows the answer. And I thought, well. Speak for yourself.
2: There's <laughs> <Just take> me <laughs> over here.
0: Um, like, I could answer that in a range of ways. The first way I sort of thought was, I could say, I am. Mentally ill, unemployed, perimenopausal, forty-five-year-old woman with a three-year-old kid. <laughs> I could say that. Could say that, but That's I, w- I would imagine oh, yeah. I could. I couldn't no, say cocktail that. Cocktail parties, I would stay away <laughs> from. Well, that, yeah. yeah. And then I thought, like, <laughs> if all pick of up those, lines. like, all of those labels. Every single one of them would suggest that I don't have much value in a conversation to add. So what I will say is I think that right now in my life I have the absolute privilege of sitting at the feet of this little three-year-old girl who is a guru and watch her story unfold and I feel like I'm doing some of the most important spiritual work of my life right now. So I could say that too.
1: Can we go back to the first bit when you said, I wouldn't add much to a conversation if I said that. Yeah, yeah. That would start every conversation in my
0: head. Yes, but I do, like I've been thinking about this First thing would be, this is going to be a fucking interesting conversation. (laughs) It's going to be fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. But at the same time
1: is that there was like 27 different ways you could go with a conversation. So I don't know why you'd see that as... Not being able to start the conversation or bring that into a conversation.
0: Yeah, well, I guess that's a yeah really good point. But I think that's what I'm here for. What I am noticing in the world, and I mean, what a significant day today, like Donald Trump. Whew. I haven't heard the results. I'm blind. You know, it, it hasn't come out yet. And look it's good. well, but it's, it's closer got, than it should and be. And regardless, yet, so. yeah, yeah it's like what a significant day in mm. the history of humanity, mm. you know, and I. I'm in a really privileged position to be able to think about that stuff Mm -hmm. at the moment while, you know, watching this child unfold before my eyes and think about... So you're feeling quite blessed? Oh, I'm feeling very privileged and very blessed. But at the same time, I recognise all of those labels that I said at the beginning. They are labels that would describe the marginalised, disadvantaged people who are doing some really, really important work in life and we forget about them and we discount them and, you know, and I can see that and I think Look, that comes from the work that I do. And so for me, when I can see that, this is what I'm noticing. Yep. It can be really overwhelming and like distressing and upsetting as a mum of a little kid who's coming into this world with Donald Trump today. Gee whiz. But is he the issue? No, no. I mean, there's so many issues. This is the thing for me. is
1: the issue, but let's not go there.
0: Well, I guess the thing for me, it's all a story. It is. Like, I love to write. That's kind of my jam. I've always done it, um, not religiously, until probably the last six months. Where I've written every single day. And since starting that discipline, that practice, it has helped me to clarify my thoughts and also find some hope in what I, when I look around at the world, like there are a lot of stories around where I think there is, like we are. Heading towards a is humanity's heading towards a cliff.
1: I agree a million percent on no that one.
0: Yeah. So when I think globally, it is paralyzing to me. So then, as using that oh, writing discipline. Oh, I don't agree with the cliff metaphor. You don't? No. No, 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 no. neither do I. But do I think with it's the reset a story. Button? No.
2: Okay. I think things are traveling along. As they are supposed to, mm.
0: and I'm not so, saying you know, that we should shouldn't go off the cliff. Maybe we should. Well,
1: that's sometimes going off the cliff is probably the best thing ever. Mm. Well, yeah. Well, you, we I, I worry more about them, I worry more about Europe than I do about the US. Like the amount of terror attacks that have happened in Europe in the last four days. Uh, how many have you heard about? Two. There's been about thirty.
2: Yeah, but thirty thousand people have been killed in car accidents, and we don't give a flying toss. Hundred percent. Mm. That's so what we focus on, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, and it's, it's our the, news, the news yeah. that runs
1: it. Like, well, if, you, if you watch, just from the election point of view, if you watch Fox News compared to watch, say, totally. one of the other news channels, they're saying two completely different things
0: about the exact same thing and neither are right. Mm.
1: <laughs> like,
0: Have you seen the Netflix documentary The Social Dilemma? Yes. Terrifying. Have you
1: seen The Big Hack? I haven't seen the big hack. Watch the big hack. The big hack's different because it's about the last presidential election, Mm. yeah, and how Trump won.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fudged.
1: How it was all just fully manipulated. He knew that if he started a race right in that particular... And when I say him, it's not him, it's his people. And when he could start a race right over here, but then over here... He's actually loving loving the black people, right? So the same bloke's pushing two separate things out on Facebook. It's just two different stories. To, exactly.
0: It's yeah. one. It's all these stories. What's the best part of the story? Right now. <laughs> this is it. 13 <laughs> billion years this, of evolution this, here has brought is, us right right to this point. Well, <laughs> I,
2: I'd like to go back to a, to a little bit earlier part of the story. <laughs> all right. So there was a time after this experience where I've been asked to, to leave the office I'm running a retreat. I've set up a workshop, I've got my staff, I'm taking them away to a Buddhist retreat centre and we're going to do some some workshops, some yoga, some spiritual investigations, some narrative processes. And so I tentatively say to Lou, Lou I say, listen, this is what we're doing. <laughs> You're free to come. To participate. or, to or not um, To participate, to not participate. I, I couldn't... <laughs> Couldn't be any more gentle. And then something quite in my, Well, we have to go back to the first time we met. was a two-day workshop as well, which was interesting.
1: <sighs> I, was that before the interview?
0: I, Just straight after the interview? I, she came think, first two days at work. It was a <laughs> workshop with me. And I think that <laughs> story in my life is remarkable. And I would call that one of my most incredible spiritual awakenings that occurred around that experience.
1: This is the two-day workshop.
0: This was the whole story, the two-day workshop, okay. all the details. And what I'm learning... The conflict, how I had to learn how to step
2: back and not take things personally and interacting in mm. places that I wasn't used to.
0: Mm. But for, for me this. right now, like they're all details in a story, which are fantastic and fun to tell, but the details no longer really matter to me. It's more the feeling yes. that's come out of that.
2: And I think that Brett is awfully close. That's why I really want to oh, hear your story. I believe he's on the edge and he doesn't even realise what edge he's on. Yeah. And he's had a little bit of insight and he's had some breakthroughs and he's learned how to meditate.
0: And I have know. heard that in a couple of um, podcasts that I've listened to where you ask a fantastic question of people when they start talking spiritual and esoteric and god
1: like God. the God word. Hang on. 19 <coughs> minutes. It's is that a job. record? No, no. We've it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's probably not 19. We're probably about 14, yeah. but let's
0: go. That's okay. Yeah. So I think that's a one of the most important questions of our time what right is, now. What's the question? The question of what is God and spirituality and having that question within ourselves. Holding so that
2: question. so so Lou has this 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 breakthrough moment at a Buddhist retreat on the Gold Coast. Yeah, uh, but uh, the lead-up stories probably you know needs to be filled in a little bit more. Do you want to take us back to your to your childhood,
0: to who you were? Okay. Let's take us on June. All right. So I grew up in Dalby, Southwest Queensland, mm-hmm. um, in a farming community. My dad was a farmer, my mum was a nurse, um, had a pretty chaotic upbringing in, a, in some ways. It wasn't too bad, but there was some chaos and I didn't, from a very young age, I felt like I didn't really know what was going on. There was some a bit of alcohol misuse in my household. So that meant that I didn't, I always felt that there was something not right about that but nobody seemed to talk about it. Like nobody ever um, acknowledged that. So you could have this chaotic experience and then the next day everything's back to normal. And as a little kid, I would look around at everyone there and kind of think that this is weird. Like this is not right. This doesn't feel right. But nobody ever talked about it. And so that was kind of my you know, that was teenage sort of years. And then there was a lot of death in my teenage years. So, you know, that the teen years when you're developing your identity, really close family members died just one after the other. So my grandmother and then when I was 13, my grandfather, when I was 14, and then my eldest brother when I was 16. So there was quite a lot of trauma, I guess, and grief and death as I was trying to develop my identity. So I guess for me that was significant in working out how I view the world, like my perception of the world. And it seemed so unpredictable. And I didn't know how to do it. Like I felt in myself that I didn't know how to do this life thing. It seemed really strange to me. And I would look around at the people around me And I would see different people who seemed to be able to get it right, you know, like my other brother, you know, school captain and fantastic sportsman and, you know, leading the musical and loads of friends and and I'd look at him and think, he seems to know something about this that I don't know. Like he seems really happy and confident and connected and, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. And it wasn't that I, like, I had heaps of friends and was very popular and was good at sport and had all of those, like, privileges. But I, there was always this little inkling that I didn't quite get it. I didn't understand what was going on. The inkling. Yeah. The inkling. The just this, uh, this, is, this, what's going on here? Because I don't get it. quite right. So I... <sighs> Did
1: you ask? I watched. Did you have anyone to ask? I
0: guess not.
1: Mm-hmm. Like So you felt alone?
0: Oh definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I had a lot of friends and my mum's amazing or was amazing. And y- you know, I've got some my brother's incredible. Well now, he wasn't then, but yeah, around that like I had some really good friends, but I never spoke to them about that feeling. And it and I really struggled with it. Really struggled. And then Because I'd had all of this death, I thought, oh, that makes sense. Like, I suppose the driving motivation within me was I just wanted to feel peace, like peace. I just wanted to feel at peace. And I couldn't. And that was a battle for me, a real battle. And I had fun. Like, I was enjoying my life and, you know, going out with friends and working and participating and, you know, having a crack. Have you found peace, Brett? No. Mm, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's a battle.
1: Yeah, I reckon. We had that conversation last week. Actually, really? it's really interesting about being in the cave. That's peace.
0: Oh, and yeah, I could t- I could happily live in a cave on my own. He does. So we, we, we learned that last week. He's in the cave. I'm at the I'm at the door
1: of the cave. Yeah, I think I'm at the door so of the far cave back now too. In the
2: cave last week, I was, I was, and I was looking for incentives to come out. Oh, no, go.
0: it's got some reasons, you know. You, you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta mingle. Yeah, I think I'm at the door of the cave as well. But it's a battle to stay there. I want to I talk
2: could... about how you bashed out of the cave that breakthrough moment you had with the with the green
0: peas. Ah, oh, that's probably the. I'll tell one story and then I'll tell that story. Can I hear the end of the first story? Yeah. Yeah, So this story, like, can't find peace, don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Just start making decisions, like, not really having a plan, never had a plan. Just kind of rolled with things would come up and I'd just give it a go. And I ended up, I found myself in, like, travelling and ending up in Darwin And sitting in a hostel with a bunch of backpackers, drinking beers around a table, and I was watching all these people tell stories, and they, story after story after story, and they were epic, amazing stories of travel and beaches and mountains and deserts and people and, you know, it was incredible. And as they're going around the table, it became crystal clear to me that every story that I had was pretty sad and tinged by sadness and trauma and challenge and difficulty. And I thought, well, I'll just do that then. I'll just go and travel because why not? You know, that looks fun. So that's what I did. I started travelling and then I went overseas for years and wandered around and still had that same sort of feeling that I didn't quite know what was going on But I was out, you know, I went all lived in London and went around Europe and blah, blah, blah. Lived in Japan and, you know, it was all epic and awesome. But like every other Australian, New Zealand, South African, cruising around, doing that same sort of similar sort of stuff.
1: But did you go and do that because everyone else did? No, no, no. You were trying to find your you were
0: trying to find your peace or whatever you want to call it? I was looking for a good story. Just a good story. Just a good story. Were you religious
1: as a kid? Was your family religious?
0: I was brought up in a Catholic family and I was taken to church until I was about 12. My dad was I guess agnostic um or atheist, I'm not sure. Um he was an alcoholic, so he did have a spirit, like a need for spirit it's, which he found in alcohol, yeah. Mm. Um or well, he is an alcoholic. An
1: interesting way to look at it. Mm. Ooh. Find oh, your spirit in the uh, misuse Same of alcohol. feeling,
0: same feeling. It's Catholic thing to do with the bill of red wine. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm learning. It's the same feeling. The that's same f- feeling of feeling spiritually connected to the world is the same feeling that you get after the third beer. Mm. And then when you push it. Or at the bottom of a packet of chips. Yeah. 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 Or a custard tart after a Exactly, pie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, same feeling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Interesting. it's
2: always the same feeling from the same space, isn't
0: it? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so can I ask a question about that story? Go. Growing up in a house of alcohol misuse—I've never heard that. And I actually really like that. That's that's a good way to put it. Did you ever want to stray that way yourself? Shit. Yeah. So did
0: you did you find that you also found would... my spirit in the spirits? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the feeling you have now... Well, it gives me a really good understanding of my dad. It's interesting, Hey, Oh, she can drink. Three bottles
2: of wine and she's still going.
1: <laughs> Be great stories after three oh, bottles of wine. Well, not yeah. so good. <laughs> so do you think alcohol misuse is hereditary? Um, like DNA type stuff?
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I do believe in my experience and observing my dad, and working with people who have struggled with substances, I have a sense that it is often a spiritual wounding that is being expressed in that way. That's what I believe. I don't think what it is... a spiritual wounding? Like... Like how I described where something missing, yeah. You look okay. around and you think S- other people have got this going on. You take that substance, you ingest it, it makes you feel good, and then you want to extend that feeling. And You can't, you're looking at that from an external source, and you can't find that within your own body. That's the way I self sabotage, yeah. yeah. It's interesting turning the steering wheel into a pack of
1: chips, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I used to do that. 7 Eleven was every day, pack of chips. A Pepsi Max and a bag of lollies, it's not a good idea. Brent. dad used to own a lolly store. My dad used to own a lolly store back in the day.
0: Oh, nice! Not that's a good idea for yeah.
1: a kid that's looking
0: yeah, but for it other feels
1: things good. in life. Mm. See what well, they ate lots of lollies, though,
0: and it would have felt good. Oh, uh, yeah, I think
1: diabetes nearly kicked
0: him. Well, that's, that. that's not, and that's the thing, that's the same <laughs> thing with alcohol and <laughs> drugs. And no, and, it is, yeah, mm. it's interesting,
1: very interesting. Mm.
2: Mm. So fast forward, green peas. Green I uh, don't want to hit Martin as well. So let's uh, let's find out what happened with Greenpeace. <laughs>
0: um, so we had done this three-day retreat. This is the Buddhist retreat. This is at yeah. the Buddhist retreat. And I guess the aim of the retreat was to tap into your creativity and start thinking about how you can use your creativity to work with the people that you're working with, so that our clients that we had in our... Disadvantaged, marginalized, mental mm. health. Mm. Yep. And in that, so part of the thing that we did every day was did some yoga and the last day I came into that Buddhist room, whatever that was, and I had a feeling of weight, like I felt really heavy, in my body and in my head. And it just felt heavy. And I thought, I've got a choice in this. Like I can just be curious and see what happens and, and, or I can just not go and go and have a beer or like, just go and relax. Mm. Like I was not a, and I, the curiosity of that was what, and that's, what's carried me through my whole life is that even when I felt that like hopeless despair, there's still been this small sense of curiosity of, okay, well, this is pretty shitty. What's going to happen next? And that's how I went into that third day. And we lay there, we did some yoga and we were lying on the mat afterwards and I felt this overwhelming sense of peace and humour, like joy, like utter joy, like I've never felt before. It was like everything in the universe was laughing and I was laughing with the universe and that felt good. It felt like I got it, like finally got it, was this joy. And then I sort of, it was, I call it like a voice of God, but it was this clear voice that I heard that said to me you are not who you think you are and i was like what the <laughs> f- does that mean <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck you, you are not who you think, think you are, are. And i was like right okay that's interesting and it was the experience was so incredibly powerful i didn't know what to do with that and I ended up just leaving and going home and you just walking anyone? out. Oh, eventually, yeah. But I went home and where I was yeah, living I at you, the can, time. He came to me and said, oh, I've got to go. And I, well, I'm not trying to. You're not arguing. You know what <laughs> you, <laughs> you <laughs> If you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, See are you sure? <laughs> uh, so we, we no, you got to go. Okay. No. And so I went home and I was living out in the rainforest at the time and I went home and that understanding or knowing of you are not who you think you are was one of the most liberating experiences of my life. Like it felt like, ah, if I'm not who I think I am, then I'm not as shit as I thought I was. And I thought I was pretty shitty. Yeah. And that was That's the first That's a pretty enlightening moment, oh, hey? What a relief. You're not who you think you are and you think <laughs> you're shit. It's like, oh, what a relief. Thank God. And then it just has been, I draw on that continually, even to this very day, where, where it is like peeling back these layers of what culture has given me, what family has given me, what I've given myself in terms of how I have understand who I am in the world. And I've been able to let go, not completely, but let go of a hell of a lot of judgment. I would say that from our
2: conversations post that event, Mm. it reorganized and reframed all the suffering throughout your entire life and how you interpret it and what you thought the story meant. And you went through and went, wow, that means something
0: completely different. Yeah. So in narrative therapy, they talk about reauthoring, reauthoring your story and the power of reauthoring your story. So everyone's got a story. And in narrative therapy, there's all these different practices and, you know, activities and things that you Tricks can do. Tricks and stuff that he used to use on me. Well, Works. approaches and, you know, <laughs> art form, whatever you want to call it, where you can kind of look at where is it in your story that... You are stuck. And I think for me, th- what I'm coming to understand is that there is a myth about stories that we've been given from as, from when we were kids, you know, like we were told when we would write stories, create stories, the structure of a story is there is a beginning, a middle and an end. Once upon a time. Exactly. Beginning, middle, end. For me think that that myth, when you can crack open that myth, that there is a beginning and an end to any story, then you can get creative and go, oh, okay, well, if this, like, it's, it stops you from holding on to the particular thing that you say, well, I am this way because of this experience. And then you go, bang, that's the story. That's the story that I'm stuck in. When in reality, there's multiple, there is no beginning or end to any story. There's only this, the best part of the story. And it is phenomenal. So, in the last few weeks, I'll tell you, I'm having another spiritual awakening. Damn, I I know, my sister. You haven't (laughs) had this story yet, and this this is. Cool. Oh my God! Baby on the journey. All right. Do you have any questions? Do you, like, am no, I no, just outside? No, 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 yeah, 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 but yeah,
1: it's yeah. quite funny when someone tells you it's like that, right? Mm. It makes you go back into your head and think, Oh fuck! Oh yeah, that's right. I remember doing. It. I, and and sort of, my mind works a million miles an hour anyway. And I, one of the things that that two things. One was the voice was it Morgan Freeman or was it Jim Carrey? That's what I was really intrigued about, like the actual tone of the voice. And the second one was I used to blame everyone else for everything. Mm. So like if I did a bad business deal I'd blame oh my fucking business partner did that did that whatever as soon as I took responsibility for my own actions fuck like, poof, made it completely different everything was different and that's that reauthoring
0: changes is changing the perspective exactly. and that's
1: one thing that Chris taught me mm. uh, a long time ago now is is the fact that by reauthoring those stories I hadn't heard it that way but mm. by doing that it changes your whole perspective, it changes your life pretty mm. much and the view that you have on all this stuff. It's exactly the same as someone calls you a fat bastard or, I oh, get you old fat bastard, Now, are you? Two different ways to tell the same story. One's derogatory and mean and the other one's well, fun and jovial. Mm. It uh, just sort of it depends on how you take these things
0: and look at them and, well, it's, really and it, it's It's not just a personal thing. I think it's also how our culture looks at those things. So yeah, like, of course. You know, like I was saying, I could say that my story is that I'm an unemployed, mentally ill, perimenopausal, 45-year-old woman with a three-year-old kid. My culture, our society, using those labels on myself, would say, you need help. And I do. That's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As we all do. Whereas I see and say you rock because you're sitting here telling the story. Yeah. Two completely
0: different things. So does every other mentally ill, perimenopausal, 45-year-old woman, unemployed person (laughs) on earth. Yeah, it turns out Louise
2: came to this awakening, came to this realisation, realised she wasn't who she thought she was, re-authored her whole life, falls pregnant, has a baby. There's a funny story in that as well. And then finds out that her
0: mother is... Got a terminal illness? No, that was prior. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she had been sick. Well, she had breast cancer.
2: But I, and then, and the the story, the narrative I was trying to tell is it kind of prepared you for the upcoming challenge of spending two years working with your mum or okay. living with your mum or living oh, after your mum without you, a doubt, loving your mum. Yeah,
0: and at the same moment. time having the privilege and what a gift to be able to watch this little girl. L- like the way I view it is like I had front row seats to like these are the two most important women in my life, my mum and my daughter. My daughter was at the dawn of her life, like those just opening her eyes and waking up and seeing what is this place? What is going on here? And there's my mum whose body's degrading and she's heading towards the end of her life. And what a gift to be able to watch those two women cross over each other like they were. Pretty drippy, eh? It was amazing, absolutely exquisite and fucking hard. Of course it was. Yeah, really fucking hard. But you did it. amazing. How cool are little kids? How cool are all kids? How cool are dying mums? That's just. You know, they're exquisite.
1: Such a good way to live a life. Well, it It hasn't come easy, though. (laughs) I'm sure it hasn't. (laughs) When did your
2: mum pass? Last year. So it's been 12 months of cave work. Yeah, well,
0: a year and a half. Bring us to the the new realisation. Okay, so the next part of the story. So my mum died and in the weeks following her death, my relationship with my daughter's dad ended. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing for the last year and a half is sort of...
1: Can I ask
0: You don't have to answer,
1: but it just intrigues me.
0: Yeah, I think, like, I'm really mindful of what is my story and what's my daughter's story. And I think, like... When I think about any story that anyone tells ever, you can be the hero or the victim in any story.
1: Of course, there's three sides to every story.
0: And so can my daughter's father. Yep. And that story is her story. Like that's not my, like, and it's an unfolding story. So the reason we had good reason to not, continue with the relationship the way that it was. And there was a time where I wished I would never have to like navigate that relationship, but that's not reality. That's just a fantasy because I have a daughter with this man. Mm. So I, I have, and I've also worked in child protection. So I know very, um, like I've seen it firsthand the damage that is done to children when they don't have a relationship with their dad or their relationship with their dad is um, damaged. Mm, So it was important for me to be able to work out a way for us to be able to work together, to be able to provide um, a really secure and safe place for our little girl. So that's, Been the work that's what I mean by this most important spiritual work of my life is happening now because that's not easy. Not easy. It's a nice idea. Be doing it for her. But putting that into practice is fucking brutal. Mm. Yeah. But I think we're doing pretty well. Mm. Yeah. So then there's that story. And then before my mum died, she did this beautiful thing for my daughter and me. And she had all these incredible photos from like six generations back of her family and my grandparents, great-grandparents. Like it's gone back to Ella's great-great-great, I think, grandparents, all these photos. So I helped her and we worked together on making this incredible photo album with all the people and where Ella fits into all of this. So it's this work of art. It's amazing. And we worked really hard on it and that was a gift that my mum but, you know, knowing that she wasn't going to be Uh able to see and didn't have all the stories, you know, she wasn't going to be able to share all of those stories with her. So here is a, you know, a physical gift. That's amazing. Incredible. And then about, oh, probably three months ago, I thought what a gift that was. That's incredible. I haven't looked at the album again, but I thought, what that is incredible that Ella's got that for her, the rest of her life. And I thought, I don't. I know there's some stories over here on my dad's side. I know there was some, like there's a few, but they're they're all very vague because I haven't had a lot to do with my dad as an adult and he's not a storyteller. Like like you'd get the odd bits and pieces, but I thought there's something there. There was some people that seemed pretty interesting. I should follow that up because dad's getting on and, you know, my uncle, his brother, they're getting on. I should find out so that I can pass this on and, you know, share this story. So then I find out about my, there's a whole interesting, intricate The universe brings these things to your story. But I'll skip over all of that to the point where I discover that my great, great grandfather has written a memoir. And I'm like, wow. On your dad's side. This is on my dad's side. So when his mother died, um, I had gone to see her a couple of days before she died and I hadn't seen her for years and she was estranged from her children and there was a story there and um, that's not really mine to tell at this stage. But I went to see her and I've written in my journal about that experience and in it I've said like she couldn't speak at that time and it was a matter of weeks before she ended up dying. And in it, I've said, oh, I wish I could have spoken to her about her experiences because I feel like if I had known more about her, I would have been able to understand why my dad struggled. Mm. And then I would know a little bit more about why I have had those struggles. But that wasn't meant to be. She died. So then I discover about, I don't know, it must have been three months ago that there's this... Not even that, this memoir. This memoir. Of my great, great grandfather. So her grandfather.
1: How did you find out about the memoir?
0: I rang my dad and I asked him a few questions. Then I rang my uncle. My uncle came to visit and sat down and we had lunch. And I said, oh, I need to find, like, who are these people? Blah, 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 blah. And where do they fit? And he gave me some names. And I thought, I'll just go and Google them. Because if they are, like, it sounds like these guys are big deals. I'll just Google it and see what see what I can find. And so I get online and I look up my great-great-grandfather and there is just this phenomenal story of this man who there's all newspaper articles, there is it's he's mentioned in people's theses, he's uh, like a it's phenomenal. What is he? Tell me what's the story? JJ Virgo, J. my great great grandfather. JJ <laughs>
1: Virgo.
0: I know, what a great name.
1: The great great, that's your dad's great grandfather. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So he <laughs> is the general secretary of the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. Well, that's this all. What's that? YMCA. I never knew that either. Mm. Why? Oh, it even makes that song even more ironic then. Mm. <laughs> so he lives in, is born in Adelaide and he, well, I read all these articles online and I think, oh my God, this guy is a big deal. I Google around and then I find out that there's this memoir and it's like, I've got to track this memoir down. This is fascinating. And I find it at a library in Adelaide. I ring the library and I say, I want this memoir. And they say, no, you can't have it. You have to come to the library to read it because it's part of our national record. Like it's a historical. Holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get a Winnebago and I'm going to take Ella and we're going to Adelaide. And what am I going to do about border crossings? Like I've got this whole, you <laughs> the know, mission. Think, oh, I'll take it to Ayers Rock while I'm there. It'll be great. She's three. It would suck. She like, wouldn't that care. Would, And it would be hard. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I've got, got all of this going on in my mind and I, my brother lives in Africa and I've messaged him and said, i oh, have got to track this down. and Or well, I'd ring him and say, I've got this fantastic story. And he says, instead of getting a Winnebago and crossing borders during coronavirus and trying to go to Adelaide, why don't you just get someone in Adelaide to copy the book and send it to you? And I was like... Don't you hate logic? That's why you're the logistics guy and I am the dreamer. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, bro. So I, I hate I it when someone me. looks over your shoulders and goes, why don't you just do that? <laughs> exactly. Damn, I that was such a good hours. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd priced it the got whole a, lot. Got a, I've got it mapped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then he gets online and he's master researcher, so he finds other copies of this book and sends me links. So there's one at the New South Wales State Library. There's one here, one there. And I go to my local library in my little country town and I say, I'm, I want to get this book. Can I get it? And they do an interlibrary loan, and here this book arrives, and now I have it in my possession. Here is my great great grandfather's memoir. And I start reading this book, and I th- like I hold on to it. I think I'm, I can't just open it like it. Just felt- smell it. Was like I, I, I had to organise Ella to go and stay with her dad, and thought, oh, "This is a sacred moment. Like this is a divine moment." Get and the I cheese ready. Get the bottle of wine. Oh. Okay,
1: crack the bottle of red.
0: Let her breathe. Like there was one, <laughs> the out. one issue, which was the title of the book, which made me question whether, like, what it was going to be, like. Here is the general secretary of the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, and his memoir is called 50 Years Fishing for Men. And like, what we know about Christian organisations and from that time, I was thought this is a bit questionable, but maybe, I don't know. It uh, fits the Christian. Fits the Christian. <laughs> and it also, like it was in the 1900s, it so it's a completely different. That's what it probably as <laughs> yeah. opposed to. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So then I open this book and I start reading and it is just phenomenal.
1: Like the the so thing is memoir. So this is his life this story This is his life story. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That cool. he's written
0: it was published in 1939 and he was in his 50s I think or six no he would have he was retired so he was in his 70s. Mm. He was born so in the he's reflecting and on 100s his.
1: And, yeah.
2: What would, oh. what would your uh, memoir be called
1: just because just because or always look on the bright side of life. Something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Where would yours be? Um, Premenopausal, three-year-old Unemployed,
0: mother. mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> the life and times of <laughs> an unemployed, mentally ill. I love it. Yeah, no, that's the after the oh, main yeah. event. Yeah, <laughs> a story of <laughs> a mentally ill. Yeah, I love it. What about you? Uh,
2: well, well, the first title that came to mind was Fuck You. Uh, I... <laughs> Love it.
1: That is so good. Just, just fuck, fuck you. you. I'm in my game. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> and then the book's uh, just empty.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Go out and get your own life. Don't read about mine.
0: <laughs> I'm dead, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> A 500-page memoir.
0: <laughs> so this book... JJ. Yeah. Do you want to hear about JJ? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to hear about how this has risen your energy. This is frequency. I want to hear about JJ. Well, I think there's a whole show in JJ. Potentially. Can
1: we hear the edited version of JJ? 30 seconds ago. All right. Spiritual
0: awakening at 21. Oh, spiritual awakening. Oh, now you've got him. Okay. So you had Don. 21. Bang. Bang. Doing it. Goes off and becomes the general secretary in Adelaide. Of the Young Men's Christian Association for the next 14 years, every single Sunday, he does evangelical talks and sings songs because he was a great singer. Every Sunday, 2,000 people would come to see him. Did that for 14 years, (laughs) still gets promoted, goes to England, runs the London office, is doing incredible things like he raised a hundred thousand pounds. This is Nineteen hundred. We're talking a hundred thousand pounds in twelve days.
1: Do you talk how he got there? Like about the journey over and all that
0: sort of stuff. Yeah, it's all, it's all on that, ships. It's all on ships. It's just it's all boats because there's yeah, it's boat time. Then the he's doing all of this incredible stuff, cr- just creating su- like it's a movement. He's it touched a, by God. Absolutely, he's with he is spirit. guided by People God. Feel him. He's he's
2: Martin. In, in, in a Christian. Absolutely.
0: And he's I'm really concerned. guided by that spiritual sense and he, okay. he, that guides his whole he's life. He's anointed mm. and he's he's given love. So he's doing all this incredible work. He's meeting, like he's running with the elite of British society. Uh, he's, you know, doing, um, he's got, a. he does 11 world tours in his life on ships during World War One. Did he explain his awakening? That Was interesting. He said he was just cruising along in life doing his thing, blah blah blah. He was an accountant, and then his mate says, Come along and hear this woman speak. He writes, I was pretty cynical because you know it's a woman, (laughs) and what's a woman got to say? That was he an Aussie or was he a pom? Aussie, oh well, he was born here, yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. under 20 years later. Your great 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 daughter's pretty cynical. She goes,
0: (laughs) I know. it's a thread, <laughs> it's, a thread. <laughs> it's inherited <laughs> um yeah so he's cynical about sp- seeing this woman he goes and sees her speak and then he says the words um transform him the way that she uses the words he she doesn't he doesn't give specifics about what was said or what it was but it was just the experience that he had transformed him and he from then on he calls it a spiritual awakening boom oh. and so then the young men's Christian Association, you're like this, their symbol, the triangle, mind, body, spirit. Mm, Mm. Nice. Yeah. And he does this work for the rest of his life, wanting to give men that experience, that spiritual experience of knowing what that is to be connected to spirit. And he believes that the way that you should do that is he thinks that there's this airy, fairy Christianity that's up in the air and up in the clouds. And that the way you're going to get people in is to bring them in through sport and culture and art. And so then he, that's what he does. And, you know, be he's in, over in England and he's, spirit. he's supposed to be traveling across the other side of the world and he gets really busy and there's this place he's got to be and it's all pretty hectic and he's all set to sail to go on this boat <laughs> And then a fire, something happens in the YMCA and he's got to put out some fire in his business and so he doesn't get on the boat. What was the boat? Titanic. You got it. Oh, Boom. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first boat that served ice with their drinks. Sorry. And he wasn't on Sorry. it. But he probably, <laughs> when my great-great-grandmother died, he got a letter from the Queen, a letter of condolence from the Queen. Like he was wow. hanging out with King George V and, like, it was remarkable, this man, this story. I want to see the movie. Who I plays know, him? I know. It's phenomenal. Who plays him in the movie? Brett. Oh, well, I'm there. <laughs> All over that. You've got to have your spiritual awakening first so yeah, and really connect. will on one day. <laughs> You're the older, more husky.
1: <laughs> Better looking.
2: <laughs>
1: so was it Morgan Freeman... Who who was the voice? Well, you're assuming it's a bloke's voice to start with. I'm Sorry, not... was it a gentleman's voice or was it a lady's voice that spoke to you?
2: And is it a voice or is it more of a?
0: No, yeah. there was yeah. words. There had to be a voice. I you describe heard words. it. I describe no. it as a voice or words because that's how we tell a story. Like the purpose of so, stories of all time, all stories are any story ever ever told by anyone is wrapping words around a feeling. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just taking words and there's the feeling. That's what you're trying to evoke in any story ever. What are you feeling, Brett? When now? Right now. I'm excited. Yeah, well, oh, I want to meet JJ. I know.
1: He's fantastic. You're excited. And what are you excited about? What you feeling? Well, I felt really annoyed when I first sat down because you put really bad beer in front of me, but now I'm excited because I heard the JJ story and I've heard Louise's story and I want to meet this kid, this three-year-old kid that's obviously got everything going for her. Awesome. Huh? And you feel uh, enthusiastic, pumped. pumped. Pumped.
2: you feel like you've been touched by something? No. Well, what's in just feel pumped.
1: I feel, like, excited and, I don't know. I'm... Touched is the wrong word? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm saying it's not the word I'm after. Because
2: JJ used to make people feel inspired by the sounds of it, wherever he went.
1: Yeah. Did he make them feel touched?
0: He's, he's making you he's feel try- He tries to. But I think... You know, across time, across history, I think this is what we've done. This is why podcasts podcast, fantastic. You've got the voice in your ears. You know, you've got a story being told that reauthors who you think you are and who you think you could be in the future. Like that is the and beauty the of this medium. You're never, ever who you think you
1: are. i tell you, let's, let's do something. And, and this is just to go on your point. Take your headphones off. We'll take our headphones off for the next 30 seconds, continue the conversation, then put them back on. Because what you said just hits the nail on the head. Come on, I'll show you. right, So we've got our headphones off now and we're talking and we're chatting like in a room. Talking more personally? I like (coughs) this better. Why do we wear the headphones You like this better? It feels better. But the thing is you can't hear yourself. You do, but you don't. And the thing I find really interesting with podcasting is that when I put my headphones back on, I can actually hear myself talk which is what you, you you were just saying, because the good idea about podcasting is the fact that you can hear it and you mm. feel it and stuff like that. Now, put them back on. Although I really liked not having them on. But now I can hear myself. I can, uh-huh. I've got more. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So from a feeling point of view is having them on, actually I think you feel the words more than you do if you're having that conversation in this situation. Whereas I'm with you, I'd rather not have headphones on and just have a chat. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really interesting in this type of situation because I can hear myself more.
0: Well, and I think at this time in the world where, you know, England's just gone into lockdown again, you know, people are so becoming so isolated for, you know, many, many reasons. I think this medium, this art form, podcasting, I think it is like an ancient tradition of sitting around storytelling. storytelling. Yeah, 100%. So you can get on here, listen no to this story. Yeah. And you listen to the story, and you have a reaction to that, a feeling for that, and the golden bubble of the third beer,
1: A good can story. I ask, can I ask it. you about COVID? Because mm-hmm. we touched on this massively last week, and one of the one of the things that that um, Chris brought to the table was how's COVID affected you. Like, how's it affected your outlook on life? How's it affected, what, like, why is it happening? Where is the transformation? Yeah.
2: Are people just going to, when COVID, we've got a, a, an immunisation, when things are happening, when we're back to normal. Are it people, won't happen. Are we're be, not back to normal. Are people going to go back to the way things were or are we transformed as a society? I mean, the Spanish flu would mean, simply mean that we just get over it and all go back to doing what we were doing before. I agree. I mean, you're eager to do that. You oh, were, yeah. You want to get back to the hustle. And I'm thinking, why would we wanna
1: lose this opportunity? I England's think... gone back into lockdown, right? So those people are now locked in their houses for the next thirty days, not allowed out. Mm. Who? England. England. The whole of England. Yeah. yeah. How's that good for anyone?
2: <laughs> well, How is hospitals overflowing and, and people dying in the streets? But could they're not. Like. But they would be if they we don't but you yeah, don't know be. that. Is that what you want to happen? No, not at all. Don't say that. What that's what it, well, you against. do know that because that's what happened in Brazil. That's what happened in Italy. That's what happened in a few different countries when it was let go.
1: So the hospitals overflowed.
2: But they didn't have the, the resources to deal with the situation. That's why the lockdown, the slowdown and trying to manage the virus over time started. And Australia's just been incredibly lucky. to Very not lucky. Pants. Lucky or? I oh, know yeah, you don't think it is. I'm just saying. And, and the thing is, I, know, I feel blessed. Okay. Uh, I feel blessed
0: by some of the processes that have taken... Let's time. ask the voice. Cool. What's the question? How have I personally been impacted?
1: Well, how has, do you think COVID's affected you personally and also
0: everyone? Like... Okay. What's your thoughts on COVID? Um, last week I got a message from my brother. He lives in West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um. He's got a hotel and a restaurant there that... He he is in Mali and Mali, not that long ago, there was a military coup. And so there's no, like the army went in and took the president and the prime minister and said, you need to resign. You're out. And my brother, when that was happening, could hear gunshots and then hear celebrations in the street when the people found out. And So to me, because that's my brother, that's quite a visceral experience that he shares with me. And I think. That's where he is. Last week, he wasn't feeling well. And we're messaging each other quite frequently. He wasn't feeling well. He went to the doctor. He got all the tests. He's got malaria and an upper respiratory infection. Mm-hmm. And then two days ago, he loses his sense of smell. And we're like, oh, shit, that's pretty concerning. So that affects me because he's in Africa. And there are no, like there's no government. Which means there's no services. Which means there's no support, nothing. So with his restaurant hotel, he had to make the decision at the time when everything kicked off, when we were all going sort of insular here, he made that personal choice to do that. He didn't have to do that. He made a personal choice to look after his staff. And so that was him making that decision. There was no government telling him what to do or whatever. It was a looking out at what's happening around the world and then making a decision that was best for the people who he cares about most. And he did that, sent them all home, kept paying them because there's no support over there. So a story like, like that, I'm quite connected to that story. Yeah, of course. Which I think is quite unique because I don't... I think many Australian people um, might be in a bit of a false sense of security here about what's happening around the world because we have gone back to a fairly, you know, I was able to cross the border today. Yes, I had to print off a thing, but I was able to come to Queensland. Do you know what I mean? Like we're we're sort of getting back to some sort of, there is, it's all, particularly here in Queensland and, you know, in New South Wales, Victoria got smashed, but it still seems a long way away for a lot of people, although it is a daily fear. I think people look at their kids and are worried about the future. And for me, it was quite debilitating. I found the whole experience really debilitating. Like I was working in a government job when coronavirus hit and the job that I had was next door to Centrelink. And one day I went into work. And there were people lined up around the street. Mm. Like that was on a Monday morning, like the week before that wasn't like that. Yeah. So I walked past these people. So it was quite a, um, like the physical presence of that, that shocked me. And I was, as a mother, an older mother as well, of a young kid, I was really scared. Yeah, I found that real.
1: Like, so were you scared more of what it's done to, like, the economy in that sake or more of what it's done... You know, like with your brother, for instance, would that have happened if coronavirus... So the situation that he's in with malaria and stuff, would that have happened if he wasn't... If, it, if coronavirus wasn't around?
0: Would he have got malaria? yeah.
1: But what I'm saying though, would you have felt the
0: same way? Oh, he lives in West Africa, so yeah. So that's... that's. It's something that I've had to learn to live with, is that... Yeah, no, I understand that. Like if I... And which makes me think a lot about the importance of our attention. And I think... What we focus on is amplified. I think this is our...
1: 100%.
0: ...only weapon against what's happening in the world is what we attend to. I mean, I will attend to what's happening in Mali to a ...and that's my brother. Yeah. But I can't watch the news every day of what's happening in Mali... ...because it's too distressing for me. So I have to... I will put all my attention on my brother... ...but I can't look at what's happening politically over there... ...and coronavirus-wise. And I feel a little bit like that here. I think I have a feeling that there is a lot of dis-ease and unrest and conflict in the world and it overwhelms me and when I think globally it paralyses me and so the practice for me is then to take, take a deep breath and do, you know, think global, act local. What can I do in my life in this moment? I can... Find out who you are. And look after my little girl and, you know, come and hang out with you guys and play and find some joy where I can get it because it's... Taking you back to the cosmic giggle.
2: Mm. Isn't the universe still laughing? Oh, absolutely. It gets, you know, the giggles at fear. Mm. We get these metal mental constructs in our minds, but the universe is still laughing. It's all playing out. It's all unravelling. Yeah. It's all happening accordingly.
1: Well, mate, this has been... One of the best we've done, Ooh. I reckon. And I would love for you to come back and tell us more play. stories. because <laughs> Let's play. I could seriously sit here and listen to you all day because you're an amazing storyteller. Thanks. You actually tell stories that make you feel as opposed to make you listen. And, and if you feel from a story... have been touched. Boom. That's, that's the art form. I love it. And you should definitely... Start a podcast called Toolbox because I think that's a great idea.
0: Toolbox.
1: Well, we've just recorded that, so that's the start of it now. <laughs> but one thing we always do A banjo—that's what we do. One thing we always do on here is we grab our beer, and we have we, we paint a picture in our heads of where we would be with this beer and what it tastes like, and we give it a score out of 10. And mine's really simple, so I'm going to go first today. I give that 100% 0 out of 10. It tastes like urine, not that I've ever drunk urine, and I'm in Caxton Street, and someone tried to glass me with a bottle. That's my vision on that
0: beer. (laughs) How'd you go, bud? (laughs) Did you score
1: it? Oh, (laughs) zero out of 10, yeah. 0? Yeah, 0. I'm across the street.
2: Yeah. And I'm, uh, I've just been handed a beer yeah. And I watch this big guy get attacked By a glass bottle <laughs> <laughs> And I giggle like that That life's pretty funny You know, really <laughs> I love it What about you, what did you score out of ten? Ah, what I score it? It wasn't as bad as I remember. Didn't like I used to think 4x was really yeasty. It used to make me feel funny. That one, although I spilled half of it over myself, went down all right. I think I drank it pretty quickly. Good, uh, good uh,
0: I'll give it six out of ten. Okay, I. Over 13 billion years of evolution for us to get here to oh. this point right now. Carbon has traveled for Ooh. 0.5 billion years. Yep. How did that happen? Oof. Like for us to be here right in this moment yeah. right now. It's crazy. Ooh.
1: And do you know it's Incredible. one best it's part billion of the story. to one that you actually become a human? Oh. there you go. That was It's a miracle.
0: I also feel like humanity is heading towards a cliff at the same time. <laughs> like I feel both of those things quite. Um, I'm quite sensitive to that. Yeah. I, I think that part of my purpose in life is to maybe be a little bit less judgmental. So I'm just going to give it a 10. Oh! Boom! <laughs>
1: No judgment. <laughs> Never. Brother, the, best,
2: the best part of the story, right here, right
1: now. This, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank, thank you for being an amazing guest oh, today.
2: I only know amazing people.
1: And thanks uh, for coming in. Thanks, thanks Louise. Mate. Lovely to meet you. You too. And I'm sure we'll see you again too. Thanks, guys. Peace and love.